shortly after the recent massacre of school children in Uvalde, Texas, a biblical passage started popping up everywhere in my social media. Maybe some of your friends shared it too. Maybe you did yourself. The verses in question came from today's reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. When you stretched out, stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. My friends who shared these verses did so out of frustration with politicians and other people who offer thoughts and prayers in the wake of preventable tragedies and yet never take steps that might actually prevent further tragedies. I share their frustration. And yet, I bristled when a friend of mine responded to a post of mine that contained the words, Lord have mercy, with a comment containing these words from Isaiah. I hope I was gentle, I hope I was, when I responded, I'm familiar with those verses, and I still pray for God to have mercy on us all. What rankles me, I think, is the implied or actual distinction between prayer and action that people across the political spectrum make. It seems many of us believe that either we can pray without entertaining policy changes that might answer some of those prayers, or we can seek policy changes but not pray, either because prayer is inherently futile or because God has given up on us. Us, in this case, meaning Americans. But nowhere does the Bible suggest that human beings of any nation should simply sit around waiting for God to solve our problems for us without joining our own wills, minds, and bodies to God. Nowhere either does the Bible suggest that prayer and conversation with God, seeking to know the mind and will of God, is a futile endeavor. Today's passage from Isaiah addresses a favorite topic of the biblical prophets, God's call to turn off the road of idolatry and back toward the way of the Lord. Here, God is speaking specifically to people who profess to love the Lord. They say the prayers they're supposed to say, they offer the appropriate sacrifices at the right times, and yet they have forgotten that loving God primarily means offering compassion to one's neighbor, and especially the neighbor who is being mistreated. In 21st century Episcopal terms, we might say God is speaking to the church that offers beautiful Eucharists, using all the right words, accompanied by gorgeous music, while giving little thought to neighbors who have no time to rest in a sanctuary like this because they are under underpaid or who feel like they can hardly breathe under the weight of debt, or who are at a loss for what to do about the violence their children face on the way to school, or at school, or in their own home. That's the thing about the prophets. They spoke to the people of their own time, 
and they're still speaking to you and me and to our siblings in faith today. Judging by the warnings prophets offer on God's behalf, one thing that is sure to kindle the divine wrath is worshiping without regard for the well-being of our neighbors, praying without thought for what we could do to address the harm that is leading us to pray in the first place. Not just Isaiah, but also the prophets Amos and Jeremiah offer these warnings. Right before God's people were conquered by the Assyrian Empire, God asked rhetorically through Jeremiah, of what use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba, or sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor are your sacrifices pleasing to me. Similar words through the prophet Amos found their way into more than one sermon and address by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. King used them to warn pious white Christians about the dangers of sitting on the sidelines in the struggle for justice. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. But let. Those two words from that tirade, poetic tirade, but still a tirade, those two words from that tirade by Amos signal the shift that is always there in God's warnings. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. In the face of God's anger and disgust, there is something God's people can do. They can pursue justice and seek righteousness. In today's passage from Isaiah, that shift from reprimand to hope, from condemnation to invitation, comes right after the quote I saw so many people post on social media recently. It comes right after, when you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. The turn God makes through Isaiah, God's instruction, command, invitation, that part didn't get quoted by my exasperated friends and acquaintances. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Even when God is angry, God's conversation with us does not end with, I will not listen, your hands are full of blood. God, whom you and I know in Jesus Christ, has shown us the power of divine love, the power of resurrection, of new and absolutely unexpected, unhoped-for beginnings. And God is always willing to invite us again and again into new relationship, reminding us what it means to turn from evil, to do good, to seek justice, to rescue or ally with, 
the oppressed, to defend the orphan or children in need, and to plead for the widow, offer support to single parents, people on their own, those who don't have easy access to the advantages that can come with family networks. Family networks don't always offer advantages, but they can. God is even ready to engage in discussions with you and me about how we might better live out our love for God and our neighbor. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Come, let us reach an understanding, is another translation of the Hebrew. God wants to talk with us. God wants to help you and me figure out how best to walk the way of love to which Jesus has called us. God knows the stakes are high. Does anyone here really want to contemplate the future in store for us and our neighbors if we don't change at least some of our ways? If you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, God says to Isaiah. I feel that, and I suspect many of y'all do too. As we face those high stakes, seeking God's guidance, wanting to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves, let's revisit this morning's opening prayer, the Book of Common Prayer's Collect for today. Let us pray. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.